Flyers Daily with Jason Mertides. All right, here we go. It's a Wednesday, January 12th edition of Flyers Daily with Jason Mertides. Oddly enough, this was supposed to be a Flyers-Hurricanes breakdown episode, but that game was obviously postponed last night, and we are not going to break down that game. We're not going to quite preview the Flyers-Bruins game, not because we don't think it's going to happen, but because it's tomorrow. So we'll get to that on tomorrow's episode. In this episode, we actually got quite a bit to discuss. Unfortunately, Rasmus Ristolainen has entered COVID protocol, and that's a bit scary because... Last year, Rasmus Ristolainen had COVID. Now, this is probably different. He's vaccinated now, and this variant isn't quite what last year was. But Rasmus Ristolainen last year, and I'm sure he's nervous about it, He, when he had COVID in Buffalo, and they were, they were pretty rough. Buffalo was hit pretty hard. I know that he did an interview with a publication back in Finland and said that his COVID was so bad that he didn't know if he was going to wake up in the morning and that it hit him and made him incredibly sick. Now, we look at pro athletes a lot of times and we go, this is the fittest of the fit. And certainly Rasmus Ristolainen is one of those guys. He's a physical freak. I mean, he is a big guy in shape, a workout fiend, and as well-conditioned as any human on the planet. And he was hit incredibly hard last year with... COVID and the battle that he had to face against it never got him back all the way to normal for his hockey season last year with Buffalo as well. And he is now out in COVID protocol. I don't know that if he's symptomatic or asymptomatic right now, uh, but Flyers still missing some players. Travis Sanheim returned. Claude Drew returned yesterday to practice. We'll hear from Drew in just a couple minutes. He got back onto the ice uh, for the first time in about a week. But uh, some players still out. Travis Sanheim or Travis Konechny, rather, is still out. And Flyers missing some other players as well. We'll also hear from Mike Yo, who kind of talks through trying to deal with the frustrations and trying not to let the frustrations of, is the game going to be on? Is the game off? You know, he was directly asked, was it frustrating that, you know, last night's game was canceled, but last week's game against the Penguins was not? And, a coach, I think, will always kind of deal with the known. It's like when a coach is asked about not having players in the lineup, never focuses on that. A coach always focuses on what he does have and what he can control. There's certain things like COVID protocol, injuries, and when a player is out that you can't control. Yeah, it's frustrating, of course. That's human nature. But a coach has to focus on what he has and what he can do with what he has. So we'll hear from Mike Yo coming up as well. Before we get to that, a couple things. Uh, first and foremost, Bob Clark appeared on a podcast and had some things to say regarding the 2017 NHL draft. A um, couple things and notes from that I just wanted to mention. You know, one of the things that he talked about was obviously the Flyers won that draft lottery. Well, didn't win it, but came in second and moved up. I think it was from 13 or 11 to 2 to number 2. They had like a 3% chance to move up into the top two, and they ended up getting the second overall pick. New Jersey got the number one overall pick. They took Nico Heischer. Flyers in the 2017 draft ended up taking Nolan Patrick. And after that, uh, their very next pick at third was the Dallas Stars. They took Miro Heiskanen. And then at four, the Colorado Avalanche took Kale McCarr. And then actually at five, the Vancouver Canucks took Elias Pettersson. Now, Bob Clark said that 
Uh, Ron Hextall was the GM at the time, uh, did not listen to his scouts, and uh, basically locked himself in a room and decided he was going to take Nolan Patrick, and that that was the wrong decision. In hindsight, he's right. Absolutely, it was the wrong decision. But I just, I just wanted to add some context to it, to what he said. And I went back and I listened to the entire thing. But that draft, Nolan Patrick and Nico Heischer were the consensus number one and number two pick. Matter of fact, going into it, prior to the, the injury revelation that Nolan Patrick had with his, I think it was his abdomen, he had a hernia surgery, a sports hernia surgery. Uh, he was actually the consensus number one overall pick. Uh, but he had the injury. He missed some time that season as well. We know Nolan Patrick doesn't necessarily have the most bubbling of personalities. Maybe that played a part in it. Uh, but those two were the consensus number one and two. Heiskanen was coming from overseas. And obviously, um, you know, you look at a player like Kale McCarr, who's turned out incredibly well for Colorado. But Kale McCarr, as Bill Meltzer and I talked about in the episode the other day, um, wasn't even was playing junior A. So he was off team's radar a little bit and looked at as a bit of a high risk pick at that at that time, especially that high top five. It, clearly, it's worked out, and those things happen sometimes. And but the notion first and foremost that the GM and, and the scouts aren't always on the same page. I think we saw this in the Eagles draft two years ago when Howie Roseman and a director of scouting kind of got into it because the camera was in the draft room. They don't always agree, uh, but, you know, that draft wasn't cut and dry. It wasn't, you know, there wasn't a generational player, a McDavid and Eichel at the top or uh, an Austin Matthews and, you know, those type of players at the top. You know, Nolan Patrick and Nico Heischer weren't in that realm of top overall pick. They were pretty much the consensus top two, but it wasn't one of those slam dunk ones. I, I think had the Flyers not taken Nolan Patrick with that second overall pick, I think at the time fans would have probably freaked out a little bit and said, what are they doing? They're taking what was then a much lesser known player and maybe one that wasn't going to be in the NHL as fast, although it would have been the right pick. But that being said, you know those things do happen where scouts – and general manager don't agree. Ultimately, it's the general manager's decision, and they don't always listen to the scouts. But, you know, one of the other things Bob mentioned was that a couple of first-round draft picks is why the team is where it is right now, why, why, why it's struggling, why it hasn't restocked the cupboards with top talent. And he's not wrong about that. I mean, the Flyers also drafted Jay O'Brien, who is at BU right now, having it over a point-per-game pace, but was certainly, in my estimation, what I would call as a high-risk pick and one where maybe off the board a little bit for a lot of people. And look, you're not going to hit every one of your first-round picks. You do need to have good success with your first-round picks. You also need to find talent in the second and third rounds and subsequent rounds as well. But when you look at that draft class in particular, 2017, and you see Heischer, who's turned into a pretty nice player. He's a captain of the New Jersey Devils, and I think he's a good player and a good leader for that team. And then you look at who was taken after Nolan Patrick with Miro Heiskanen, just signed that huge deal with the Dallas Stars. And then you look at Kale McCarr and Elias Pettersson. Pettersson struggling a little bit this year. But you look at those picks and you go, they were taken after him. Yeah, they weren't the slam dunk guys that were kind of consensus ahead of them. 
but they turned out to be what would have been the right pick because Nolan Patrick, whether it's injuries or motivation or elements of his game, just it hasn't worked. And it's a shame because he has every measurable there is. He has the NHL body. He has the skating ability. He has the skills. Uh, but there's something missing. And that's what makes him the wrong pick there. Uh, the other part of it, too, that he mentioned was Ryan O'Reilly, that the Flyers were really interested in Ryan O'Reilly and that they could have had Ryan O'Reilly. Now, O'Reilly at that time was with the Buffalo Sabres. And Ron Hextall had just come off a training camp, or excuse me, and Ron Hextall had just come off being the GM of the Canadian team at the Worlds, the World Championships, and Ryan O'Reilly was on that team. And I went back and looked, and I, I do recall that this is 2018, by the way. This is heading in from the 2017 draft into the 2017-18 season, and I remember speaking with Ron, and he really liked Ryan O'Reilly. And in my estimation, it was clearly a player that he wanted to acquire. Ultimately, he didn't. Didn't Flyers didn't acquire him. Um, there were rumors that they were in the mix to acquire him from Buffalo. Ultimately, the deal was made for him to go to St. Louis. We know what happened. A couple years later, St. Louis Blues end up winning the Stanley Cup. Ryan O'Reilly wins the Conn Smythe, and the rest is history. But uh, I know the Flyers were in that. Takes two to tango there. Um, I don't know what the Flyers were offering in any in exchange for Ryan O'Reilly. I know what St. Louis gave up. It was substantial, but Ryan O'Reilly certainly was one of the players that uh, interested Ron Hextall at the time. Uh, they ended up not getting him. He went to St. Louis. He won a Stanley Cup. I'm not saying if he would have been acquired here, the Flyers would have won that cup, but he is certainly a very good hockey player. Also, Wanted to touch on two things real quick from our Ask Billy episode. We had so many great questions from our Ask Billy episode. Just wanted to go back and, and mention one more thing in regards to one that we did go over. Uh, it was Isaiah from OMB Podcast. He said, if the Flyers decide, decide to remake their roster in a rebuild or retool, who are the core pieces and are they the same players you may have envisioned before the season started? I don't know that I was envisioning that before the season started, but... One of the things Bill and I talked about with a complete teardown rebuild and why it's not the greatest way to go, at least in our opinion, is that it's very hard to tear it down. It takes a, a really a lot of stomach to do that in a long period of time, and there's no guarantee. And you can't find many teams where they completely tore it down, rebuild it, and put themselves into a position to be a cup team. You know, you look at Buffalo, it hasn't worked. Edmonton hasn't worked. Toronto, for the most part, hasn't worked. Is Toronto a good team? Absolutely. But have they won anything? No. So, I mean, even Edmonton, four number one overall picks in six years, still haven't. They're probably not going to make the playoffs this year. And now they're bringing in Evander Kane. And so you have to have a team that has tiers. And I don't mean tiers of talent. I mean tiers of age groups and cores. You have to have a veteran core. You have to have a mid-level core and you have to have a young core. So if I'm looking at the players that would be part of a retool for the Flyers and to remake the roster, you know, you have to add to this, obviously. There's going to be some turnover this offseason. Derek Broussard's on a one-year deal. Patrick Brown. I mean, you look at some of the players that they brought in. Obviously, a guy like Keith Yandel. Rasmus Ristolainen's on a one-year deal. So there's some decisions to be made there. But when I look at that veteran core, 
You know, the veteran core to me is anywhere from 28 years old and up. So in that veteran core, obviously, Sean Couturier, he's 29 years old, just signed the contract extension. Uh, he's going to be a part of that veteran core. Kevin Hayes will be a part of that veteran core at 29 years of age and signed with term. When you look at that core, that group as well, uh, maybe Scott Lawton's in that group. He's 27, but right around there, he'll be 28 coming up uh, on May 30th. He may be one of the guys that's in that pseudo mid-level slash veteran core. Cam Atkinson will be there. He's 32 years of age. Ryan Ellis, who's 31, and I know Ellis has only played four games this year, but he'll be a part of that veteran core. He'll be a part of that veteran core as well. Okay, so the mid-level core, that next kind of 23, 24 years old to 28-ish, you know, your players that are going to fall into that category. All right, we'll put Scott Lawton in that category uh, with Oscar Lindblom. Oscar uh, is a guy that uh, is 25 years of age. He'll be 26 coming up on the 15th of August. We'll put Travis Konechny in that mid-level core as well at 24 years of age. He'll be coming up on March 11th. He'll be 25, so he's in the mid-level now. And then we'll put Ivan Provorov in there as well, who's 24 and will be 25 coming up tomorrow. Oh, happy birthday to Provy. And if Rasmus Ristolainen is still here, he'll be in that core and also Travis Sanheim. So you have those two cores. And again, I'm not saying all these players will be here. If you're doing some sort of rebuild or retool, you're going to make some moves and probably some significant moves. And you're going to have to give up something to get something. And you have to go dollar in, dollar out in a flat salary cap world. As far as the young core, you're going to have Carter Hart in that young core. You're going to have Cam York in that young core who's 21 years of age, Igor Zamula will be in that young core and that young group of players. And then you'll also have Joel Farabee, who's 21 years of age, Morgan Frost, and you go from there. And look, some of those players will be here if they go a retool route. Some, maybe not. Some may be used to acquire draft picks or move up in the draft or a young prospect from another organization or a player that's you know, you use some of the young players to grab a player that's in his prime in that 24 to 28 range. There's a lot of different things here. Plus, you have that free agency market that you can dip into, too, and you can supplement either your young core or more than likely, if you're talking free agency, your mid-level core, your 24 to 28-year-old. So just wanted to kind of clarify that. And the other one that I just wanted to clarify as well was Greg Williams, who tweeted, and he said, if you were in complete control of the team, what would be the first things you do to fix things? And I threw out some crazy scenarios in the podcast with Bill, but really the, the main thing I would do would be nothing right now. And that seems weird, but I would really take my time, figure out what it is that I want to do, how I want to go about it, how to go about it, what the risk rewards are to what I have to give up to get what I want, and build it out from there. This isn't something you shoot from the hip on. This is something that you take your time on and you do not rush to failure. If you're going to retool, you can't microwave it. You don't pop it in the microwave like a cup of noodles and have it be ready in 60 seconds. That doesn't work. You have to figure this out and do it calculated and to a plan. And if you don't make a move unless it falls into your you know, cost per acquisition or cost per departure and all of those things. And, I, you know, that's a, that's a tedious process that takes time. 
So just wanted to mention that. All right, let's get to the Flyers captain, Claude Giroux. He had a chance to address the media, got back on the ice yesterday for practice, heading out of quarantine and COVID protocol. And here's what the captain had to say. Yeah, Claude, I guess, you know, before anything, how are you feeling? And, uh, you know, where are you at, feel like, from a conditioning standpoint in terms of, of being ready to uh, to play in games? Yeah, I feel good right now. You know, just uh, conditioning, maybe uh, one more practice wouldn't hurt. But, uh, you know, when you don't do anything for uh, – uh, for five, six days, uh, it's kind of tough to get back into practice, but, uh, today was a good practice. So, uh, and it's good that we have another one tomorrow. Kind of going into, you know, these postponements and whatnot, obviously we talked to Travis a minute ago. He said, it's, you know, kind of a blessing. You guys got this game postponed, get some time to, you know, to, to get guys back to, to recover. But is there frustration on the part of the players of, of, the seeming inconsistency in terms of postponements. Obviously, last week you guys were really shorthanded, especially against Pittsburgh, and that game was played. It just kind of seems like no one really knows whether a game's going to be postponed or not, and for what reason. Yeah, I mean that's that's not really in our decision. That's kind of a league to decide if we're going to play or not. So for us, it's uh, sometimes you have a game that you're not sure you're going to play. You just got to yeah, you got to pretend like you know you're going to play, and uh, just you got to prepare yourself for the game and. Um, you know, obviously we have a, a lot of guys that were out and, you know, guys are slowly going to come back here and we'll be able to uh, to get the guys back. Hey, Claude, kind of, you know, speaking uh, on a frustration level for you personally, obviously we know how big of a competitor you are and, you know, you want to be out there as much as you can. So, you know, having to be sidelined, you know, for those couple of days, what was your mindset like during that whole time? And just, you know, were you asymptomatic the whole time? Uh, yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty bad to just watch the games and, uh, you have no control over it and you see the guys battling and and uh, kind of working together you want to be out there and help them so to watch the game it's uh, uh it's not fun it's terrible and that's all I can say it's uh it's not fun to see the guys going out there and trying to win a game and you can't do anything about it you had an Ironman streak broken last year because of COVID-19 and Ivan Provrov obviously had his broken this year how frustrating do you think that is for him did you sense any frustration from him that he had to miss his first game ever well, I didn't really talk to him about it. Uh, obviously, anytime you get to miss a game, uh, Proby is kind of uh, kind of same way as me. Just uh, wants to play all the games, uh, try to get some wins, and um, so I'm sure he wasn't too happy. But um, you know, nothing you can do about it now. You just gotta gotta move on and uh, get healthy and get back on the ice. I was wondering just how you spent your quarantine, if you did anything to try to keep in shape or just keep your mind busy. What did you do during that time? Uh, I mean, you try to ride the bike a little bit, kind of move around, go for just just basically move around. Just don't stay on the couch for, for five days and expect to go out there and, and play some hockey. So uh, at the same time, you you want to get healthy. You want to uh, you want to be patient, but uh, it's definitely uh, it's definitely tough to do. Hi, Claude. Last year. You said that your wife was a rock star uh, as you came back from uh, COVID protocol this year. Does she move up to sainthood? And uh, how is she doing with the two kids? Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, I got uh, I got pretty lucky to uh, I was uh, locked in the basement and uh, food. Uh, she was making me food and making sure I was okay. So uh, definitely uh, definitely lucky that uh, I was a uh, I was able to get back home and kind of quarantine in the basement. So uh, it was tough not seeing uh, the kids for, for, the, for these days, but, um, you know, it's, it is what it is. 
Good to hear Claude Giroux back at practice and good to see him back on the ice. Mike Yo also addressed the media yesterday. Bit of a lengthy session here, but I think uh, some really worthwhile stuff to hear. So here is the Flyers interim head coach, Mike Yo. Yeah, Mike, um, just kind of want to go into the, the postponement. Um, you know, kind of on our side, we're trying to make heads or tails as to why. What were you told as to the reason why, uh, you know, why the game was postponed? And I guess as a follow up, a side note to that. Um, Rasmus Salinan wasn't on the ice for practice today. Has he been out its protocol? He has, Charlie, yeah. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. I didn't find out till uh, uh, late last night. I got a call from Chuck. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, I, I, as far as as far as far reasoning, I, I think that it would just come down to, obviously, we're depleted, you know, to begin with. And uh, we had a possibility of, uh, you know, maybe getting G back today, which obviously did happen. We, we didn't know if that was going to be the case. Um, we did get Sandy back, but we had also, <clears throat> you look at the lineup today, we, you know, we're also taking out, uh, uh, Justin Braun, uh, Patrick Brown, Rasmus Ristolainen. And so we would have been, you know, even more shorthanded than we already were. So, um, you know, I, I didn't ask why, to be honest with you. Um, but, uh, but I can only assume that would be the reason. Yeah. Was there any, um, you know, consideration, I guess, on the NHL's part or the Flyers part to, to not practice today, or was that never really going to be an option? You guys were always going to practice. Yeah, well, I mean, like I said, I didn't find out till late last night. Um, <clears throat> and then uh, as far as not practicing, no, I, I think, you know, you look at a guy like uh, G, uh, you know, we find out uh, today that he can join us for practice and and uh, he's been out for six days. So for him to get the opportunity to go out there and skate, uh, Travis to, to get out there and have an opportunity to practice, I think it's really good for those guys. And more importantly for our group, um, you know, I know that we've got still a lot of guys that, that, that are in call-up positions that, uh, that it's a chance for them to get out there and show what they can do. Uh, but for our entire group, there's aspects of our game that we haven't really had a chance to have two practices in a row here. So, um, you know, it, uh, uh, obviously we were preparing for a game. We were prepared for a game today. Um, again, I found out late last night, uh, that, that we weren't going to play. So, uh, you know, as a coach, you, you, I don't want to say you you deal with the hand that you're dealt, but we were, we were given ourselves, we were given an opportunity to have a practice today. And, uh, and I personally, I was quite excited about that. Uh, for Thursday's game, are you hoping that you can have Provrov and, and connect me back as well, along with Drew and Sanheim? Uh, yeah, I'm not sure. I, I, I mean, obviously, G being out there with us today, uh, I would expect, uh, you know, G to be ready to go, uh, Sandy ready to go, uh, uh, you know, TK and uh, and and Provi are still in protocol. So I'm not sure on that, you know, the, the um, you know, all the testing requirements and, and how you can test out and then obviously the conversations with the league. Uh, <clears throat> that would be that would be a little bit more to our medical staff, but uh, I'm hopeful. Um, and uh, you know, because I know that they're getting near that timeline. So, so we'll see, but, uh, but, you know, as of right now, we'll just keep working with the group that we have. Olivia Reiner, you're on the coach. Go ahead. Hi, Mike. Uh, when did you first see Claude Drew in the facility today? And what was your reaction? What is, what was the first thing you said to him as well as kind of what the, the team's general reaction was to having him present today? Yeah, well, um, he, we had a team meeting, uh, team video session at 10:15. So he was in there uh, at that time with a mask on, still, still taking precautions, even though he was cleared. But uh, 
um yeah so it was it was just basically welcome back um let's get to work it wasn't a, it wasn't a real long conversation but uh but it was this morning shortly before practice you had this i guess surprise practice for today what was um how, how did you come up together with a plan quickly and what did you want to focus on with this extra day yeah well, we, we've had some things in mind that um you know the way that the schedules work lately when we have had practices we've We've been coming off either a large stretch of games or, and, you know, or a large stretch approaching or, um, you know, it's just maybe one practice in between games where there's certain things you have to do to, you know, to, to make sure that you're ready for, for the next game, whether it's the, the power play units, especially with the different combinations that we've had of people coming in and out of the lineup. Um, this is kind of the first time where we've had a couple of days in between where we could, uh, you know, sort of focus on some of the tweaks that we want to make to to the game that we're playing um and i would say that the focus was was mainly on our, on our checking game you know obviously we spent a lot of time especially like i said you we've got new guys coming out you want them to feel the puck you want to work on their execution and have them a chance to to work as a line and and, and feel good going into the next game um you look at our game right now and i think that we're defending well um in certain situations uh, but we defend way too much. And so today was, uh, uh, I'd say, a little bit of a focus on how we can get the puck back, how, how we can check as a five-man unit, uh, whether it's in the offensive zone or through the neutral zone. And uh, and so that, you know, I, I think that'll be, again, our focus tomorrow. Um, you know, we're, we're continuing to try to grow and get better every day. And there's a lot of areas that we want to get better at. Uh, but I'd say today the focus was on our checking game. Yeah, hi, Mike. I know it's not your decision, but... Do you think as a coach, would you rather the NHL stop the season for a, a couple of weeks just to, uh, you know, get the COVID maybe behind everybody? Uh, do you think that's advisable or do you think uh, it should continue the way it's going? Yeah, Sam, um, you know, I probably don't get really paid to make those decisions, um, but uh, I guess I'd probably say, Let's keep going because we've had, we've already gone through the worst of it, I think, with our group. But uh, and and I only say that because uh, our players are vaccinated, our staff is vaccinated, uh, you know, and uh, and obviously we're very you know concerned and and want to be cautious of and, and aware of what's going on in the world. We don't want anyone to get hurt. Uh, but that said. Uh, our players have, you know, I would say for the most part been been asymptomatic and and um, but again, I, I, I haven't really spent a lot of time thinking about it, Sam, because uh, I don't have a say in those things. And uh, and so just kind of every day, just sort of, uh, you know, looking at what we have to work with and 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 finding a way to try to get better. Uh, yeah, Mike, you were just touching upon the, uh, you know, on the checking aspect. I'm curious to know where you think the team is at in terms of breakouts and, and you know, get, driving the play up ice once you do have the puck. Yeah, I would say not good enough. That's that's an, an area that we continue to work on. Um, but uh, but I would say a lot of that comes from your checking game. Uh, you know, I, I think that if we can do a better job checking, uh, whether it's on our forecheck, whether it's in the neutral zone, uh, we're gonna we're gonna have fewer breakouts in the game. We're gonna spend less time in our own zone, um, which in turn will uh, give you an opportunity to be fresher and 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 you know execute better when you do go back in those certain situations. Uh, but, uh, I would say that I've seen some improvement, uh, you know, as far as our puck support from our forwards, 
you know, and and uh, the way we, uh, you know, support the puck, whether it's coming out of our zone, uh, whether it's through the neutral zone, our wall play, we continue to work on that. Um, so it has to be a group effort, but uh, I'd say I've seen some improvement, but not enough. And and again, I think a big part of it is is our checking game, making sure that we don't have to do it over and over and over again, uh, because the more you do it, the more difficult it becomes. Yeah, hi, Mike. Um, you mentioned yesterday about, excuse me, watching clips with Morgan Frost, and, and I'm wondering how that went, if, if he was receptive. And just as a follow-up, I know Danny Brayer's kind of going back and forth to Allentown to work with Morgan a little bit. I'm wondering how that has helped him in his development. Well, I, I think Frosty, first of all, he's, um, you know, I kind of touched on it yesterday that uh, a lot of things that we're talking to him about, he, he is, you can tell he's trying to apply it. He's trying to, uh, um, you know, to, to implement those things into his game. There's certain situations where, you know, he is more physical on the forecheck. He'll finish his checks. Uh, he's more physical in his defensive zone coverage. I've noticed that uh, that he's using his feet and his, and his legs to check more as far as, you know, skating to check, getting on people, closing on them, uh, you know, getting in front of them and uh, and how that can help his game. Now, there's still other aspects of his game, you know, and the consistency is not 100% there yet, uh, but he is very, very receptive to it. So, um, you know, the quicker he picks things these things up, uh, the quicker he'll, he'll look like a full-time NHL player. Hey, Mike, was it nice to see James today and how excited was he about the new addition to his family? Yeah, he, he was, it was great to see him. Uh, he, and he was very excited. So we're, we're excited for him. Uh, he saw him leading the stretch there at the end. Uh, but uh, yeah, no, he's uh, uh, obviously, you know, one thing that we want here is, is a real family atmosphere. And so, uh, you know, all of our players are extremely happy for, for one of their teammates when something like that happens, we're, we're hockey players and hockey coaches first, but, uh, but we all have our own personal lives. And so a moment like that and something like that happening is pretty special. Hey, Mike, yeah, going back to the, uh, the postponements for a second, you know, a game, tonight's game gets postponed. I guess, you know, you, you guys at the moment, obviously you guys are shorthanded, but you have, you know, the ability to have a full lineup. Does it, in retrospect, make it frustrating that some of the games last week when you guys were even more undermanned weren't postponed? I guess just kind of speaking to the seeming from the outside, the inconsistency of how these decisions are made. Yeah, you know what, Charlie? Um, and I can see why maybe people would think that. Like, there is a lot of moving parts when, when and I, I do understand and empathize, you know, that uh, – whether it's business people, whether it's league, whether it's scheduling, whether it's the other teams travel, all these things. I know that there's a lot of factors that go in. Um, so I haven't really spent a lot of time thinking about that, to be honest with you. Um, you know, I, I said it last week and I, and I wasn't, I wasn't lying to you guys. I was actually excited about the opportunities and the challenges of, of, you know, going into those games with, with the group that we had and, and seeing if we could, you know, fight and, you know, at certain points was it frustrating and certain points it makes it more difficult, but uh, we have to embrace those difficulties. That's, that's part of becoming a, su a successful group is, you know, not giving into excuses, not, not, a you know, finding reasons why you shouldn't be able to go out and perform. Um, you know, there's certain times where we look like we are ready to do that. And then there's other times where we didn't, um, didn't rise to that occasion. So uh, every day for me is an opportunity to grow and to get better. And sometimes that's, you know, on the ice, like we did with practice today. And sometimes that's a little bit more, of a mentality, and, and that's the way I saw last week. All right, there he is, Mike Yo, addressing the media yesterday. 
after the Flyers practice. They didn't have the game. They were able to practice. So any coach loves it when they can pick up an extra practice, and they do there. Uh, All right, tomorrow, preview episode, Flyers-Bruins, Thursday night, TD Garden in Boston. We'll preview it tomorrow. In the meantime, everybody have a great Wednesday, and we'll talk to you on tomorrow's brand-new Flyers Daily.